Welcome to Rogue News. We are the preeminent geostrategic, geoeconomic, and geopolitical news show on YouTube and on the web. Join us for hard-hitting analysis, behind-the-scenes strategy, and brutal commentary. Find out why many consider us the place to get their news and information. Check us out at roguenews.com. Follow us on Twitter at Real Rogue News, Facebook, and most of the popular podcasting apps. Most of all, remember to subscribe, like, comment, and share. Good morning, good evening, good afternoon, folks. It's V the Grill Economist coming to you live on this edition of roguenews.com. And we have with us a special guest, Utsav Sanduja. Utsav is a journalist, he's an editor in chief of Warren News. In other words, this is a guy who's been there, done that, got the t shirts, been in war zones, interviewed presidents, prime ministers, dignitaries, heads of state. He's also been a foreign policy advisor for numerous Western governments, political parties, nonprofits and news organizations. His area of focus is South Asia, Eurasia, and Russia. And with that being said, Utsav, welcome aboard, man. Welcome, Thank you for coming on board, uh, Rogue. Honor to be here, V. Pleasure. Great pleasure. I've heard a great number of stuff of your news organization. Very impressed with your analysis. Very, very uh, taken aback by just the quality of reporting you guys do. Oh, thank you, man. The pleasure is all ours, man. You are quite the troublemaker yourself. Uh, you Google Utsav's name and you find him just battling out with these these deep state lackeys, for lack of a better word, uh, a guy who is a mischief maker. He's worked for the Trump administration. He's This guy's done it all. He's done it all. So Utsav, uh, thank you, man, for being on. I mean, we are in the midst of so many things. The world is in transition. As I'm talking to you right now, 35 banks that we know of are at systemic risk of collapse. Uh, the war in Ukraine is going sideways for the West, and uh, not, not, <laughs> and right. I, I think I, I think Poland has sent has sent them uh, two MiG two two or three MiG twenty nines, and I'm yes. sure that's going to turn the entire conflict of the war. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. Let, let, well, I mean, to be fair to the Ukrainians, I mean their their background is literally in, uh, you know using soviet vehicles exactly so i mean i can't blame the ukrainians uh the, the the i mean not to be a shill for ukraine because i'm really not a shill for that re regime although i do frankly love ukrainians and i feel yes. for what the ukrainians are going through and it's Terrible. unfortunate that you know minsk has been violated and really never adhered to but you know, in, in, in a perfect world, this war would have never happened. And I don't support the deaths of anybody. And, you know, as I've gotten older, I've 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 appreciated human life far more than Absolutely. I ever could have imagined. Um, you know, I credit uh, Julian Assange, um, you know, all the stuff that's come out of the archives about war, um, you know, just just appreciating human suffering really looking at it from 
philosophical point of view, you you really do value human life uh, when you immerse yourself with not just you know pictures, videos, texts, but real philosophy. And going going to Ukraine, I mean, you know, th- these these troops they're they're not as well trained as other modern Western armies. And um, it's, 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 you know, I, from, from their point of view, I can see like how it must feel, oh my goodness, you know, we're not of this NATO caliber and our experience is, is you know, just with these Soviet vehicles, Soviet weapons uh, that are from the 80s, uh, 90s, um, it's it's it sucks. It must really suck for them, um, you know. Uh, everyone talks about this F sixteen. Oh, give them the F sixteen, but <laughs> the F sixteen is of that equivalent or similar generation, Correct. and that requires a lot more time. So, right. so even in the discussion on the F sixteen, it's not like it would be a game changer on the battlefield when you consider the Russians are sending like my god latest generation everything against them well what's up i mean i mean lindsey graham says that we have to fight russia to the last ukrainian right i mean it's all about you know stopping vladov putler and we have to stop putler before he invades all of europe yeah how insulting to call to compare vladimir putin to adolf hitler when the russians are literally destroying nazi larpers on the battlefield when Vladimir Putin exercised incredible amounts of restraint, yep. you know, there were people in the Duma like criticizing Putin for not uh, recognizing the DPR, LPR as a part of Russia. They were criticizing Putin for not giving LPR, DPR uh, more weapons, more assistance, military aid, advisors. And, you know, Putin, Putin, you know, at least what we know, truly believed in the Minsk Accords that yes. that that, you know, kept both sides from totally killing each other. And I when I say both sides, oh, more than both sides, I would say Russia, Ukraine and the DPR, LPR um, freedom fighters uh, from all like slaughtering each other totally, in you know, into pieces. Yeah, no, exactly right. I mean. Uh, I, I don't know what the off-ramp is going to be for the United States because this has been a massive, colossal failure for these neocons and these neoliberals, you know, throwing their full weight into this regime change aspiration within Eastern Europe to stop the multipolar world, to throw a monkey wrench into the BRI, to stop Eurasian integration, and to stop the dollar from falling apart. It seems like the only ones that have been isolated here what's up, is the West itself. Yeah, it's quite interesting, isn't it? Uh, we see a concerted effort, for example, with uh, BRICS countries uh, agreeing to, in some way, to trade in non-U.S. dollars when it comes to oil. Uh, and I, I just found that really interesting. We see a very, we see a diversification of, um, you know, uh, you know, in, in the use of like currencies when when, when doing this kind of oil trade, um, you know, there's there's pledges and commitments of further doing uh, currency diversification. Um, you know, we see we see Russia looking at uh, purchasing uh, yuan's 
with uh, with regards to refinancing the Russian state debt. Um, all of these little things, they add up in the long term. Now, whether or not it destroys the hegemon, which is the almighty U.S. dollar, I doubt it. But I think it's nevertheless a very symbolic message. It's a very interesting message. Uh, you know, there are countries in Africa that are also uh, pledging to do the same, like Ghana, for example. Um, and um, it's, it's starting to look more and more like we're going to be entering a new Cold War, a new global yeah. order, or a more diversified global order. Yeah, that's what we're seeing as well, man. I think um, I think the unipolar world is, is done for. I mean, this is what happens when you take your economy, which is supposed to be based on physical production, and you make it all about speculation. You have the West that has completely hollowed out its manufacturing base. I mean, we literally produce nothing. And um, we're a country that can't even ramp up uh, toilet paper production, let alone have any sort of real production and the capabilities of handling a major war against two other technological peers. It, it's just not going to happen. And so now the, the West is trying to they're, – they're self-emulating. It's almost like as if they are – they're cannibalizing their own population, their own citizenry, their own – what's left of their economies. So these oligarchs can, you know, take the loot and make a run for it, it seems like, what's up. What I don't understand is, like, where the hell is the ceiling for all of this? I mean, the U.S., um, you know, the United States, I remember back in the Bush era, uh, you know, everyone would talk about the Iraq and Afghan wars and how much debt uh, America was accruing. And I'll, I'll, I'll be honest, you know, for full disclosure, I supported some of those wars, not because I was some bloodthirsty genocidal maniac, but rather I thought America was going to be this great empire that would come and do colonialism and actually like build up countries and do good things. But my God, I, I now see like America was never all about that. It was just about, you know, coming in, destroying, destabilizing and leaving nothing behind, no lasting legacy. They're not like the British empire where they did some okay things or like the French Empire, where they did some okay things. Mind you, I say okay, not not good things. <laughs> uh, um, I say okay, not good. Um, no, they it's like a destabilizing global empire. I mean, when I think of U.S. imperialism, I think of like 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 actually good U.S. imperialism. I think maybe of Hawaii, where yeah, it sucks. They took down their monarchy, which I, I personally am opposed to destroying traditional societies. But then I see all the economic development. But then, you know, I can also observe and see like, oh, it's mostly for oligarchs. Um, but going back to the earlier point, I'm not getting too, too uh, distracted with that tangent. I just wonder to myself, like back in the day, Bush, the Bush years were like, oh, yeah, Iraq, Afghanistan, debt. Then came Obama and we, you know, and, and Obama did all the um, Obamacare style uh, spend. Then came Trump, a Republican. Uh, he ended up doing all this COVID stuff. So I'm just I'm just confused and perplexed. Like, at what point does does it? really like at one you know now now we've got biden with his whole uh, militarism adventurism you know using ukraine as a proxy to destroy russia as yeah, yeah. former generals have admitted 
retired generals have admitted, at what point does this all end? At what point does are we not able to, to keep spending this money? I know the inflation is there. Mm-hmm. It's gotten bad. It's it's like 40-year high. Uh, it was a 40-year high. Um, and, and then we also have unprecedented levels. But at what point is is, is you know, does the system collapse or, or at least say, no, we, we can't keep going? I mean, is it, is it because uh, people have faith in these treasury bills that, you know, we can just keep on going and we're not going to face any currency devaluation? I think this is the problem from, from my years of looking at this. I, th- I think this is the problem. The problem is this. There's an old saying in New York. They used to say to drug dealers, don't get high on your own supply, right? Right, of course. And, I, and when you look at the West, a dangerous thing occurred in the 80s, right? In, in the West, when you had think tanks and you've got some think tank work and I've got some, I've done some think tank work and actually we both were in the same organization. Yeah. Coincidentally. But um, one of the things that have occurred in the 80s and it sto- it's slowly started to metastasize through the Rand Corporation, through mm-hmm. uh, various uh, roundtable groups. You had this creature that evolved. It was no. It was called the neocon, right? Mm-hmm. Later on, it was called the neocon. So what happened is back in the eighties and the nineties, there was real analysis, right, mm-hmm. done by real think tank workers, real analysts, guys who were expert. And these weren't just guys with law degrees who were stupid lawyers. No, these were guys that had some science degrees. They knew some mathematics. They knew some physics. So when they talked about a, a specific weapon systems and the applications of that weapon system, they would understand the the the, the science behind it, its physical limitations, and its capabilities. So they had a healthy respect for their Russian counterparts. They knew that a war with Russia would be something that would be absolutely cataclysmic for the entire world. It will be an extinction-level event. No life on Earth would ever live, and it's something that you know, should be avoided. So they coined the term mutually assured destruction. It kept, yeah. us, it kept cooler heads to prevail. But at some point after the collapse of the Soviet Union, these nutjobs, who were known as neocons. They were known as they were known as crazies before they were known as neocons. And these were the Wolfowitz, the Rumsfelds, the Cheneys, sure. you know, the Wolfbergs, right? The, uh, these guys, all of a sudden, their ideas began to percolate throughout the, much of the establishment think tanks and roundtable groups and policy wonks and guys with no experience, with no real hard, you know, higher, you know, science background or mathematics background. Guys who were just lawyers. Yeah, uh, we say in New York, right? <laughs> they yeah. started getting high on their own supply. They created a, a an environment of of, of a massive echo chamber yes. where if you were like the real policy wonks, the guys who understand diplomacy, the guys who understand the ramifications of actions, those guys were pushed out, and it became about ideology cohesion. If you towed the line, you followed the ideology, you got promoted. And yes. that ideology started to capture not only the, 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 the policy aspect and the foreign policy aspect of the United States, but right. also the military, the political, the whole nine yards, where today you'll see the same axioms parroted that are so familiar that you can trace its origins back to the 90s, back to the crazies. And that's where we are. You have a group of people that are so detached from reality because they had it so good for so long Right. They think that they because they control the printing press, that it's going to continue forever. They don't understand the fact 
that we are two and a half generations behind the Russians when it comes to hypersonic technology. They don't understand the fact that stealth technology is nothing more than a marketing term. Okay, they don't understand the fact that that we don't have the largest, most powerful army in the world. They don't understand the fact that the United States cannot, never has been, and never will be able to conduct a continental war with the full brunt of an integrated combined arm, armed warfare. We just can't do it. We don't have the experience in it, right? They, we don't understand the fact that we're not the largest economy in the world. The Chinese have run rings around us. Why? Because they actually have real mark-to-market, right, number one. Number two, their economy is really a, a physical economy based on physical production, Ours is the fire economy, finance, insurance, real estate. In other words, it's the speculative economy, which in a healthy country should be no more than 20% of your entire economic output. But for us, we put 90% speculation, 10% manufacturing in an industry. So we're completely upside down on this. And you got these dumb, miseducated and uneducated American idiots in Washington, D.C. that are running and calling the shots on all of this. And same thing goes for Europe in, in Brussels and in the UK in, in, in Downing Street. This is the problem with the West. It is a culture that is devoid of any real economic uh, capability, manufacturing power, or intellectual wherewithal to continue forward. Uh, that was brilliant, man. I mean, that was passionate, man. That was. I feel. I feel the. I feel the rage, man. And yeah, man. You know what? I the other day I was just reading. How the SF the SVB board yep. literally uh, had only one member on only one member with an actual career in investment banking. Yep, I just I just was floored. I was floored. I was like, I thought the United States was a meritocracy. You know, right. it really isn't. It yeah. really isn't. Like I'm I'm just floored when I read how. You know, we have a lot of these elites in America with honorary doctorates, honorary degrees, uh, (laughs) doing like really high caliber level work. Uh, You know, you know, Elon Musk says, you know, uh, quit looking too much into Joe Biden uh, when he talks. Look at who writes teleprompts, uh, you know, who who working the teleprompter, who's crafting and designing all the messages. I know, I would really like to know, like, you know, is, is, is the United States, on, on a separate note, but a connected note to you, are these elites, like, are they intrinsically really highly educated, really smart? Like, did they have to go, did, did they really go to all these schools they claimed they went to? Did they really pass A-level grades? Did they really get A-level grades? Are they true specialists? Or are they like maybe a master of like one little thing and they just now lead general aspects of society? Um, I, I, I just feel like there's generally a lot of underqualified people. I don't Massive. feel like, I, I just feel like the United States is not um, th- this really technocratic nation as, as it, puts its out, it puts itself out to be, you know? Yeah. Um, Like I'm only speaking for the United States. I can't. I can't necessarily say for other countries. I mean, I know China uh, puts itself out there as a technocratic country. Um, I know the European Union's Commission does the same thing. And yes, America's deep state. I know a lot of people in the CIA. You know, not all of them are bad people. Not all CIA. Hashtag not all are bad. Uh, 
Right. I've met a lot of dissidents in the CIA. I, I shit you not. Yeah. And, and and some of these people are like, yeah, yeah, I know about Ukraine being a red line for Russia. Oh yeah, I know that uh, uh, Pakistan is involved in some terror campaigns against India. Oh yeah, you know, I'm fully aware of the fact that Americans can't even find Ukraine on the map. Uh, Americans are war weary. Blah blah blah. But um, you know end of the day, do these people have any power, these, these highly educated, well-informed people? No, not really. Who's, who's you know, I, I also think of, um, uh, there was one of these White House spokespersons, um, I think it was, I just want to make sure I'm, I'm correct here, I think it was John Kirby, an admiral, he was having this uh, back and forth debate with a journalist about NATO, and the guy literally admits that he barely passed his history degree at a Floridian, random Floridian university. And I'm just, <laughs> I'm, he literally, yes, you can fact check me. He had this exchange. And I just, I just thought to myself, I'm like, you know, I've, I, I said, Sanduja, have attempted to apply for a lot of government jobs. And I, I kid you not, they're like telling me you need PhDs for this and that. And I'm just looking at like the upper echelons of the Biden government. And, and here these people are like admitting, ha, ha, ha. Yeah, I don't even have these basic skills or, yeah, I don't know all of these things, whatnot. So I, it, it just kind of throws me off a little bit. Like, how, how does this all work in America? Like, it doesn't. I'll put it this way. There's America, there's America, the perception, and then there's America, the reality. If you want to talk about America, the perception, it's uh, the country that won World War II. That's the perception. That's not That's not even true. America did not win World War II. No, no Soviet no. Union that won World War II. 100%. So, so <laughs> America, the perception is the country that won World War II, the country that never lost a war, the country that stopped fighting in Vietnam because, you know, it just wanted to do the right thing, not because it got its ass kicked and it was an unwinnable war. Uh, the country with the largest economy in the world that makes everything great, the country that spreads freedom and democracy all throughout the world, the country that has a, a absolutely spotless human <laughs> human rights record, right? The, this is the America the recession. America the reality is, picture a country where from the foundation to the topmost stone when it comes to leadership, even at local and state levels, all the way to federal levels, are staffed by used car salesmen, okay? And what I mean by that is this. Everybody's a con man. Mm. They are trying to, it's like a circle jerk. Everyone's circle jerking each other, right? They're telling each other how wonderful they are. They're telling each other how great they are. They're telling each other how wonderful the system is and that, the, you know, we're, you know, we're, we're Pax Americana. We're going to be, you know, we're the, we're, we're the, we're the fourth Reich, man. We're going to, we're going to be the, the, the thousand years we're going to be here, right? So, we, 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 we've created a culture of confidence men, confidence men who give confidence or, 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 or circle jerk each other into having this over exuberance of confidence in everything that America does. And it's utter bullshit. What, and so no one's dealing in reality anymore. Why? I mean, think about it this way. I'm on the economic side of things, right? Right. So in the 80s, the early 80s, we reconfigured our entire definition of GDP, right? Mm -hmm. We threw good accounting practices out the window. We rolled out this whole entire fictitious GDP scheme where government expenditure is counted as GDP growth, which is insane. That is the equivalent of me emptying my bank account, buying trinkets and dottles, 
and then telling my wife, hey, listen, we've increased our net worth because I spent every penny we've had in the bank and now I'm borrowing more, which also increases our, 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 our net worth. It's the most insane thing in the world. We're the only country in the world that does that. We, we, so we've been living high on the hog on the rental income that is right. provided by the dollar as the world reserve currency. Now, here's the funny thing. The entire freaking Wall Street, the entire power structure of Wall Street exists on rent and rates, okay? Rent and interest rates. That's what Wall Street is, right? It's the rent checks that they're getting from trading stocks and the rates that they're getting it at. That's all it comes down to. And then everything else is subordinate to that. Manufacturing in the United States is what? A cottage industry to the financial sector. Silicon right. Valley is what? A cottage industry to Wall Street, right? And same thing goes for the military industrial complex. Same thing goes to Washington, D.C. You have all these cottage industries, but they're all subservient to a money system that is in the pro that rewards circle jerking. I mean, what do I mean by that? I think you remember the whole Theranos scandal with Elizabeth Holmes? Yes, I remember and, it very well. Yes. And I sat there watching the documentary of the guy from Wall Street Journal who cracked that whole thing open with Elizabeth Holmes and, and, and put a light on her. And I said to myself, my God, she had Warren Buffet, right? Yeah. Buffett, right? She <laughs> had Mad Dog Mattis. She had yep. all these guys who most people would consider are elites. And they were all suckered into giving this crazy woman who faked everything about her persona, her the way she dresses. Hell, even though her voice was faked, right. okay? And she, she, she sold them for billions, right? Took them for a ride. And I said to myself, how did she get there? Because the system is so brainwashed. The system is so detached from reality that they literally – have circle jerked each other into believing the most insane cockamamie things. Like a, a, a little device can give me a, 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 an incredible, you know, 33 level blood panel work that I can't even get at a lab. And they believed it. Why? Because you had miseducated and uneducated people who were circle jerked into positions of power. And I said to myself, that's the symptom. The Theranos scandal is the very, it gives you a microcosm into the thinking of who these elites are. It's the same reason why they can give Facebook a, a $129 billion valuation at its IPO, right, which is a higher valuation than ExxonMobil for a social media company that makes nothing. This is the insanity of the West. Like, we're, dude, we're literally living in a country with people that are the equivalent of a bunch of kids playing Dungeons and Dragons in their mom's basement. They're LARPers. And that is symptomatic of the entire West. I mean, it's crazy. Yeah, I mean, I, I'm not, I'm not oblivious to the fact there's social inequalities, social inequities. We clearly live in feudalism. I tell people this all the time. I know it's a tough pill to swallow, but we truly live in feudalism. I mean, America is not a meritocratic country. If it truly were, we would not have these very undereducated, uneducated, and very ignorant, ignorant people uh, leading the society. You know, I have been back to back to back on Twitter, on social media, even debating former current ambassadors of various countries, diplomats, um, news thinkers, and Look, I'm going to be honest for full disclosure. And um, look, I love America. 
I'm of Indian origin, and I want, I'm not going to lie to my audience when I say I love India. All right, I'm not going to lie, and I, I wouldn't. Li- I don't want. I don't want to lie to the audience too because uh, about another thing, which is, I can't help but have love for that country, and it's a great country. It's a flawed country. I'm not going to deny that. I'm not going to deny India has flaws. But I love them in that they're the underdog. They are trying to make themselves, uh, you know, more firm in the world. They are trying to chart their own path. And it just floors me to read diplomats uh, talk about India as like some player of the West. How come India is not condemning Russia? How come India is not doing this? I'm like... Do you guys know anything about the history of India? They literally co-founded the non-aligned movement. Right. They literally said, we are not a nation that will belong to any camp. We will not belong to the Western camp. We will not belong to the the then Soviet camp. Mm -hmm. And the same is true today. And, you know, I'm I'm reading here. um, There's a guy called Chris, Chris Alexander, who used to be the Canadian ambassador uh, to Afghanistan, and he used to also be a cabinet minister in the government of Stephen Harper, uh, a government I worked for. And um, I have to tell you, he was he was so mad and incensed that the the Canadian sorry that the Indians had given um, a um, stage to Sergei Lavrov, the foreign minister of Russia. Yep. Um, and I'm just thinking, well. Why would you be surprised? India and Russia have such an extensive, long relationship. Right. And that relationship is based on India's non-aligned heritage and status right. of basically, you know, playing with both sides, working with both sides, trying to be um, a country that works with, with, with all nations. Um, yeah, it's true. India has something like a 70% dependence on Russian arms, though that figure is dropping, as you now see India becoming more dependent uh, on French arms, French vehicles. Um, India is also trying to make its, make its uh, military more indigenous. And I'm just, I'm just like very, very, like, you know, thrown, th- taken aback. Like, like, how do you not know that India is part of SCO, Shanghai Cooperation? Exactly. Uh, how do you not know that India is in the Troika, which is a confidence-building measure where Russia, uh, China, India together do a trilateral dialogue on border matters, mm-hmm. uh, you know, issues in Eurasia. How do you not know that uh, India and Russia are... are uh, participating in the de-dollarization, like they're doing the ruble-rupee swap. How, how do you not know that uh, India is, like, getting amazing discounts on Russian oil Correct. and using it to curb inflation and build up their manufacturing industry? Like, how can you be so ideological? How can you, how can you just go around on Twitter spewing, oh, Russia is genocidal, which, by the way, just <laughs> got disproven, you right. may or may not know the United Nations did a um, they did this whole um, investigation uh, for approximately a year, and they found out that there is no evidence of any kind of Russian 
genocide in Ukraine. This is what the Norwegian judge Eric Moss, uh, the, uh, the head of investigation team, uh, said in Geneva. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I just, I just think like a lot of these people in the West, they're just believing their own hype. No, that's what it is, man. It's, it, it, facts. Yeah, I mean, look at Trudeau. What is he? He's a he's a part time screen. He's a he's a part time ski instructor and a drama teacher. Oh, yeah, high school drama teacher. Yeah, yeah, I know Trudeau very well. I actually knew him personally long before his days in in Parliament. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, my background is in Canada, uh, and 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 um, again, <laughs> another example of these people in office who. Yeah supposedly are technocrats, uh, supposedly great leaders, again, undereducated, less educated, whatnot. And then I think of Christopher Alexander, who, yes, he is a very, very, very intelligent man. He went to Oxford. He went to... That's the problem right there. He went to Oxford. Yeah. So you can either be this overqualified guy with pardon me with with ignorant opinions or you can be an underqualified guy with also uh you know uninformed opinions and i, I don't know what to make of it i mean i guess i'm a i, I think i'm a little autistic mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm, I'm just like but you went to you went to this school you should know this because let me tell you i went to university of toronto and I tell you what, like, you know, it's an elite school. And I tell you, there were professors that taught me all sides of the Russian, uh, of the history of Russia. Mm-hmm. Russian perspectives, the constituent parts of Russia's perspectives. You know, I know for an absolute fact that all of these people studied from professors who showed them all sides, all angles, all perspectives. And when I listen to these politicians talk, so it's almost as if they're surprised and aghast that there can be more than one worldview, one side, one one perspective. It, it, it just it just it just blows my mind. How uh, can it be? Yeah, it's because the it, it's it's that ideology that has crept into the West, that has crept into, uh, you know, its origin is in the United States itself, where you believe the hype and not facts on the ground anymore. You know, it, it, it's it's this. And, and, and the West, the dangerous thing about the West is that we work in, in, in an area or we act from a position of perceived strength. It's not real strength. Like, you know, one of the things that people don't realize this is this. The whole mint, you know, you mentioned the mint agreement was a fraud. Yes. Absolutely, one hundred percent. It 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 bought it bought the Ukrainians time. Yes. And since two thousand and fourteen, the United States has been training, providing the logistics, the support, the targeting, the whole nine yards, what they need to build up the Ukrainian military into a formidable fighting force. I mean, they have, you know, four six hundred thousand uh, uh, military that are in Ukraine, and honestly speaking, they're trained to a level that if the Ukrainians fought. The Germans, they they beat the crap out of the Germans, and if they fought the the, the poles, they'd absolutely roll the poles. The uh, problem is, is that what the West didn't realize is that this is not the impoverished post-Soviet Russian army that is, you know, selling weapons for cigarette cartons and waiting around for whiskey and vodka to pay them off. This is a professional, technological peer, and in some regards, ahead of the United States in many regards, and. I'm not, you know, just to put it bluntly, they're masters of land warfare. 
They are masters of continental war. They got the history to prove it. So the the so the, but that doesn't stop these mis uneducated morons in the West, like like Victoria Newland, who I call the mad cookie woman of the Maidan. <laughs> right? I mean, this crazy woman. God. With, with well, a, out there passing out cookies. If, if I if I can if I can stop you there for just one second, I, yeah. I so you brought up Newland. Here's another example. I want the audience to know this. I don't even know if the audience knows this. Her education, her education. Okay, and listen, I'm I, listen. I want to be clear. I'm not one of these education freaks who are like, oh, if you didn't go to school there, you can't govern this or that. I'm not about this. I'm all about. I also take into account life experience. I also credit autodidact. So I want to be clear to the audience. I'm not some like elitist who are like who, who believes, oh, you need to go to school for this and that and whatever. Because frankly, there are a lot of people in, in in history that have just read books and have figured things out. There are people with high IQ. There are geniuses. So I, I want to be clear. However, I'm going to go by the standard the West. The Western technocrats apply, okay? Mm -hmm. They talk about you need this education, this thing, that thing in order to be in this position of power. Okay. You know, Newland, her education is just, you know, she just has an undergrad at Brown University where she just studied Good. Slavic literature. And what does she do? She's under Secretary of State for Political Affairs, was an Assistant Secretary of State for European and Eurasian Affairs. Uh, she was the United States Ambassador to NATO. I mean, such, such, you know, and, and from what we read, she has like, she, she's setting principles, policies. Yeah, she's an idiot. But how she's a freaking moron. I just blows my mind. Like how on earth we have these super highly well-connected people with, with, you know, qualifications that the state tells everyone else to have that she herself does not have. You, you know, another thing that blows my mind is, and, and, and I beg your pardon for interjecting, it's just you, as soon as you brought up Newland, it was actually one of the things that I just wanted to get, lunge into here. But, mm -hmm. you know, Newland, she, you know, we have so much dirt about how she was trying to assemble the government of Ukraine. Oh, yeah. And I'm just thinking to myself, my God. Like even even the Trump Republicans, even some of the more isolationist friendly Republicans, they all gave her a confirmation, uh, like unanimous confirmation to the Senate in 2021. Now, it was a voice vote. So I don't know, like, who the hell was all there in the Senate <laughs> that day. I'll probably I can probably find out like that date, you know, have some some idea. But it's just like, how come not one Republican stood up and said, no, we're going to have a debate on this. We're going right. to challenge this. Why right. did they just give her the freaking job? It's just, I don't understand this country. Can no. someone please ex make me, can someone explain this to me? I don't yeah. understand. Because we don't have meritocracy. That's what it is. We don't have that. And what we have is lackeys. What we have is crony capitalism and, and, and lackeyism where everybody's a lackey. Look at this mad cookie woman passing out cookies in the middle of a bloody coup. OK, so happy, so happy because the State Department spent five point five billion dollars overthrowing the government. OK, and instilling a puppet regime all because of this psychopath right here, who was one of the chief architects of this whole entire thing, passing out cookies, the mad cookie woman of the Maidan. And she's and she's still there and she's an expert on war all of a sudden. Did you know that? Yeah. I mean, I mean, you, you think about I know. This. 
you if Russia has Sergey Lavrov, who I consider one of the greatest statesmen on earth. Okay, sure. history will You know, you have you have uh, um, Lavrov, you have Sergey Glaziev, you have Sergey uh, uh, Shoigu, you have Medvedev, right? You have all these great minds in, in Russia. Same thing in China, too. You have, you know, Xi and Wang Yi oh, and yeah. all the guys over there. For sure. This is who we produce. We produce this idiot right here, the mad cookie woman. That's the, that's the epitome of a diplomat in the West. It's incredible to me. It's incredible. And she's what? The Institute of the Study of War? Have you seen the Institute yes, of the Study of War? I'm very aware. I'm extremely aware of, of all of that. And again, I, it, it, when you look at their analysis, you see there's a lot of heavy influence from the Ukrainian armed forces and the Ukrainian government. And they have a disproportionate influence in, that, right. in, in those maps, which, again, you know, the maps, they come off as slick. They come off as well put together and you actually when you actually see the real data the real sources of the data when you go to the pdfs when you go and correspond there's a lot of ukrainian government influence and i'm just again once again i'm going to show you something right in the institute of the study of war this is their head are you ready for this this is their head of russian this is their russian team lead the head of russian studies over at the Institute of the Study of War. This is the guy who briefed senators and congressmen on the reality on the ground in um, in, in Russia and Ukraine. Here we go. This guy. This go. looks like a 14-year-old boy who just hit puberty. Uh, yeah, physiognomy, man. I always tell people <laughs> physiognomy matters, but, he's, you know. He's 27 years old, man. Wow. I kid you not. Jesus Christ. He's only 27. <laughs> this is who the West listens to. Yeah. <laughs> it's so, incredible. So, so then my friends who are listening, my dear friends who are listening to our great, wonderful show, if this is if this is how it is, why don't we all start our own revolution? Not violent revolution, not armed insurrection, nothing like this. Why don't we start our own revolution where we say, you know what? If these elites can come out and say, I am, I am so-and-so, and I don't need all these things, uh, background, whatnot, I'm just going to rule and do diktats, why don't we fucking just fight back and be like, you know what, our opinions are more righteous, are, are more uh, sounded and grounded in reality and, and common sense, why don't we try to put ourselves in a position of power? And, and screw this meritocracy. I mean, if we're going to have a fake meritocracy where we have yeah. people who are not as qualified to do these great jobs and they're having boneheaded opinions like, let's go take on Russia and fight them. Uh, why don't we uh, why don't we do the same? Why don't we say, no, you know what? We're not going to work as hard as you guys did. Well, you didn't. And, uh, and, and, and at the very least, when we get elected, when we get into power... Uh, at the very least, uh, we'll we'll have opinions that are not as uh, just just insane, like starting a war, like you know, like like the other day, like I'm reading, um, there's a there's a representative, uh, South Carolina, I forget the girl's name, she's like a li- mini Lindsey Graham, mm-hmm. she she's talking about going to uh, send uh, like three drones 
to to uh, we're gonna you know what they took down one one of our drones so we'll send three drones and I'm just yeah. like an idiot another idiot I right? don't understand this like yeah do you not understand why the Russians did why, what they did like I mean you know the fact of the matter is uh, yeah I I think I don't know if the Russians what they did was necessarily uh, all that legal where they used their fighter jet. In uh, international, uh, you know, you, you know, just, 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 you know, amongst the international borders to to kind of like go after this drone. I don't think though the Russians had some kind of malice, but uh, you but know, they knew what they were facing. That MQ nine B Reaper, yeah, had that intelligence uh, spy pod. Well, that pod what... is a, is a data collection pod that that just soaks up signals. You have to get like if the U.S. if it was the U.S. in a situation like that, we would have shot that thing uh, within five seconds, probably. And I can with, also, with a missile, but we, we, we wouldn't be dumping jet fuel on it. But at the same time, I can also see the Russian perspective, which is very clear. They are fighting a war in Ukraine, and they see a surveillance drone yep. belonging to a country that literally has publicized how they're giving intelligence to Ukraine. And it's very interesting that the United States has not said yet, I don't know if they will, that uh, this activity on their drone was, the, the, the way their drone was taken care of was, was you know, it, what the Russians did to that drone was unlawful. They haven't claimed anything yet. Um, and I think the reason why they're not going to is because if, if America comes out and says, Russia did this to us and this was unlawful, then it would bring up questions. What, what was the drone doing there in the first place? And that's when it starts to come out where, where oh, you were doing surveillance. Well, why were you doing surveillance? On whom were you doing surveillance on? Russia. Okay, but why? Well, because we're uh, involved in this Ukraine-Russia war and we're getting data for the, Rus uh, for the Ukrainians. Oh, really? So America is a party to the war in Ukraine. Interesting. When did that happen? Oh, uh, well, this happened covertly. Oh, really? Did Congress declare war on, on Russia? No, they haven't. But America has these hybrid proxy wars. Oh, really? They do? So I think that's why the Americans are not willing to uh, go out against the Russians and, and in, in this way, right? And, and this is just, uh, you know, another example of strategic ambiguity. And, you know, the, uh, the only ones that understand what Russia could do is the 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 old hats that are still hanging around in the Pentagon? They're the ones that are pro that are stopping this thing from going completely out of control. And those are the people I personally met in Washington in Republican Bingo. circles that I, I so I used to I used to work for the Virginia Republicans, and uh, I actually uh, campaigned and helped elect, well, tried to help elect some of these people, and uh, you know. I did meet some of these Pentagon guys who, yeah, like, oh, yeah, I'm a Republican, whatever. My dad was a Republican. My grandpa was a Republican, so I'm a Republican. And, oh, you know, so-and-so, whatever. So I did meet some of this old guard when I when I was living in Washington, uh, D.C. And, uh, you know, I just, uh, they, they would tell me, uh, yeah, like, there are people in the Pentagon, our bosses, you know, telling us to think and do things this way. And. We always try to steer our bosses in a different way. Almost reminds me of Yes Minister. Great show. Oh, I love Yes Minister. <laughs> and uh, and, love uh, yes Minister. and and I'm just thinking like uh, is, that is perfectly what's going on in the West. 
but they don't really listen. The, so the thing is, what 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 is interesting is like the times. Uh, I don't. I get the general impression that they're not like, like the deep state. I don't know how to put it. I get the impression that the the deep state is more hawkish than it's ever been. Yeah. And those guys are telling the politicians what to do, and it's not like they're giving they're they're giving they're, they're not doing they're, they're not trying to get the politicians to do the responsible thing, right? Whereas in yes, minister, you you have these bureaucrats trying to get the politicians to do the responsible thing. <laughs> right. Right. So it's it's kind of like inverted there. So, uh, but but no, it's 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 just it's some really dirty stuff. Um, <laughs> it really is. Uh, you know, I was reading how John Bolton the other day. Oh, the maniacal had, mustache. Well, actually, used to be friends with him. Um, you did? Yes, you know was, that Creighton? Yeah, I, oh, I personally knew him. Very good friends for a long time. I did. I did stuff with the Bush Presidential Center. Let me ask I, you a question: Is his sure. mustache actually real, or is it like a like a like a toupee? No, it's real. It's, it's real. This guy's, this, he, 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 he literally, he, it's, it's kind of like, um, I, I, I don't want to pathologize Bolton. I mean, he, it's definitely, it's definitely something he's trying to make himself distinct on. He's, he, he, it's, it's, it's also a bit of a flex, probably to show some kind of masculinity. Yeah. Demonstrate terrible. that. Yeah, I, again, I don't want to pathologize. Uh, he, should, he should grow his chest hair and, and leave it hanging out of his shirt. <laughs> yeah, well, he's a scrawny fellow. Of course he's he not, is. He's not particularly... He couldn't fight his way out of a paper bag. It's just like... Look, Bolton is like our buddy here. Uh, Mason, right? Look yeah. at Mason. Yeah, yeah. Look at what this highlight is. Mason is a trusted voice on Russian military operations. This kid hasn't even shot a water gun in his life, but he's a trusted voice, Utsav, on Russian military operations. This is Elizabeth Holmes, man. God. In tra- in mid transition, this is Elizabeth Holmes in mid transition. That's who this guy is. Okay, I got this funny scene I yeah. lined up for you. Uh, this is from. Um, this is from Yes, Prime Minister. I love this show, man. No, it is a great show. It's so brilliant. But this is puts in synopsis. It's a one-minute clip really quick about, about the West. Here we go. Bernard, what is the purpose of our defense policy? To defend Britain. No, Bernard. Is to make people believe Britain is defended. <laughs> <laughs> Russians. Not the Russians, the British. <laughs> the Russians know it's not. <laughs> for all our simple ignorant people shuffling in and out of houses buses factories and the cabinet room <laughs> the aim of the defense policy is to make them feel secure but if there's a better way bernard we have a magic wand it is called trident nobody understands anything about it except that it will cost 15 billion pounds which means it must be wonderful <laughs> all we have to do is write a check and then we can all relax but if people in government start talking about it, do you know what will happen? No. In the end, they'll start thinking about it. <laughs> they will come to realize the problems, the flaws in the reasoning. The nation will get worried. Agitation, questions, criticism. Change. 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 <laughs> and there you go. We have the trident. And what is he, what is he referring to? Right, he's talking about the nuclear, nuclear weapons. Exactly. Yep. Yeah. Well, I mean, I... 
you know, that's the other thing too, right? Like everyone in the West, uh, well, the, in the bureaucracy, they all see they all see nukes as a way to defend sovereignty, you know. Mm -hmm. And I just think to myself, uh, how come Iran can't get nukes? Like, why can't they get nukes? Why won't we? Why won't just no? Why why won't we let Iran get nukes? Like, what? Straight <laughs> I mean, they... <laughs> straight question. <laughs> why not? Because why? Because you don't want Iran to be protected. You don't want Iran's sovereignty violated, right? That's really the heart of it. <laughs> exactly, right? because and what they really wanted to do regime change. Exactly, and then this lady would show up with a bag of I don't know non bread. Well, <laughs> yeah. yeah, she'll show up with some non bread. Yeah, <laughs> like, yeah, okay. like. Well, if you want to speak about non-bread, I can tell you that, you know, I don't know if you have many listeners in India. I, I, I can probably imagine you do. And uh, it's something I would love to help uh, build up. Uh, Rome. Up. The, the secret is most people think I'm an Italian guy from Brooklyn. So that's what it Here is. Here we go. <laughs> you should, okay. Yeah. Yeah. That's pretty good. <laughs> that's what it is. But, but uh, now we, we get we have we get quite a few listeners from India. We that's do. good because they should know something right now. And I'm going to share this with them. Mm -hmm. There's a Newland that is coming to India very soon. Oh, God. And he is the U.S. ambassador to India named, get this, the former Los Angeles mayor, Eric no. Garcetti. No. Yes. He was You're just kidding me. I swear by God. He was just, oh my God. just confirmed 52 to 42. I got to ask, okay, guys, like, I got to ask another question. What the hell is it with Republicans voting for Democrat appointees? Like, wh what is with because that? Because most of these Republicans are, are cucks. They're, they're, they're Why rhinos. Why do they do this? It's the uniparty. Why do they do this? I don't understand. Like... Like oh, oh, we need to have somebody in. in oh, like, you dude, it's it's confirmed. Oh my God, how did yeah. this happen? Fifty-two, forty-two. Well, you know, I understand the arguments that were made. Oh, we can't have an ambassador. We cannot just have a vacancy. You know, uh, to New Delhi, we can't have a vacancy. We can't have a vacancy. So I I, I get that, but why him? Why not? Why not throw shade on this guy? And get Biden to find somebody else because, you know, this gentleman, I kid you not, he literally said in his in his in his uh, Senate back and forth in 2021 of December, he said there are groups that are actively fighting uh, for the human rights of people on the ground in India that will get direct engagement from me. Oh my God, he's a he, he's so you you, you know. Yeah. Indian intelligence has this guy Mark. I mean, one of the things that India is wonderful. They have an incredible yeah. diplomatic team. Oh, I yeah. mean, one of the best in the world. They're not. Oh, they're not going to fall for this, man. It, 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 Garcetti is again. He's 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 basically talking a color revolution in India. He's basically talking uh, Operation Ajax repackaged yeah. for India. Yeah. Yeah, I, I tell oh. I, I tell these Indians. Here come the oh, rainbow flags, what's up? Here comes the rainbow I, I flags. Tell, I tell my wonderful brigadier general friends retired of India. I tell the journalists of India. I tell a lot of these very well-meaning, uh, really, really impressive Indians. I tell them, you know, the Americans are going to come for you, right? They're going to come to regime change you. Yes. Like, Look at who they've appointed here. Look at all their NGOs. Listen to what George Soros has said about India. What Listen did he say? What is Soros? Is George Soros literally said, 
Uh, something I'm not gonna I'm not gonna be able to quote him because just paraphrase it. But basically, he said something along the lines of Modi suppressing minorities in India. What minorities? And he talks about um, needing to see a democratic change in the country. We're the um, pop- most populous democratic country on God's green earth. We and, invented democracy. And yeah, it's 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 democracy was invented. It's, <laughs> yeah. it's yeah, I know, right? And you you would you would think. I mean, it's it it. it I just tell these Indians when they're you know flirting as they flirt with the Western camp, the as, problem, as they get man. That, with the, the weapons, the investments. This is a trap. It's it is a, a trap. trap. And, and this is the biggest beef I have with. You know, my, my fellow Indians back in India, I was like, yo, you guys need to stop this whole. The, you got a young generation that are like swooning over the West. Yeah. Like, so cool because they want to be Western. They want to be. They want the money. They want the money. You know, yo, that comes at a price. You're not going to like that price. And I'm telling you, if they allow these NGOs from Soros, who's a, who's a criminal. Oh yeah, they allow these NGOs to take root in India. That's going to be a big problem, man. I, you, your money guy, your money about? guy, yeah. uh, Soros. You know, he did a lot of speculative activities. Could you share with the audience uh, to, not to co-host your show here? No, no, it's all good. You can co-host anytime <laughs> can you, you want. Man. Can you t- tell the audience what uh, what uh, a good friend Soros is infamous for? I mean, he's short of the Bank of England. Yep. You know, this guy created a single-handedly created a currency crisis, and now you take that into account. Where you know, I mean, he could do a lot of damage with these open society NGO groups within India itself, especially the the lie. What was the Western lie they told Indians, right? Oh yeah, which was debunked in 2019. The lie that was told if, but to Indians at, 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 during the whole time of the British is that North Indians and South Indians are two different people. Yeah. Right, oh you have the, the the North Indians are from the Aryans, which is oh a mysterious my. race that nobody can find. Uh, the Aryan, the, uh, I mean, Hitler tried to find these Aryans, couldn't find any of them, right? And then the South Indians are the Dravidians, uh, and that's yeah. why they're different. And then all of a sudden, in 2019, they did a extensive genetic studies by digging up 46, you know, skeletons yeah. from over 5,000 years ago, and they found out that holy shit, there's no difference between North and South. There's the same yeah. genes. They both share the same. Harappan yeah. origins. That's right. That's right. Yeah, people. Yeah, out of India, uh, has has out of the out of India theory has been thoroughly debunked. It's quite fascinating how that was done to just essentially divide the Indians, prevent yep. them from becoming anything, any any, any unifying entity. You, you know, and 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 just just on the whole thing about Aryan. I mean, the Aryans. I mean, there's a whole debate on them, but. You know, it's theorized that they came from the Caucasus, they came from Eurasia, and they spread to Persia, Europe, India. And there are like some genetic links, you know, they talk of uh, very similar uh, ancient, uh, you know, cultural connections, the chariot wheel, um, you know, the horse riding societies, they talk of the Indo-European language, there's there's similarities and commonalities amongst amongst certain uh, words, phrases, e- even folklore. So I I think there's some merit to the Aryans, but the idea of this, um, you know, this this all encompassing culture that just came in and took over northern yeah, that, India, the well, Indus that, Valley, well, and left was, no clues behind. 
They were so powerful, they left no evidence behind of their existence. It's incredible. Yeah, it, 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 it's, it's something that I have these very epic debates with scholars on Twitter. And I just, I just, I just scratch my head and think there's an agenda behind this. It there's definitely an agenda behind this. But yeah, I mean, like, you know, going back to uh, Soros, I mean, Soros, he, you know, was attacking the Indians over the whole Adani crisis. And he basically was giddy over the fact that Adani, had, you know, an Indian oligarch propped up by India, of course, was, you know, failing. And, uh, and, and he was giddy and he was happy about this and he was celebrating. And he talked about how his fall would weaken Modi and that there'd be a democratic revival in the country. And, uh, you know, and, you know when, when, when everyone knows when Soros uh, marks you, that's, that's a telltale sign that yeah. something's going to happen. I mean, just look at what he has said, uh, you know, about Trump or Victor Orban. You know, it's, 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 not, a, it's not a very good thing, you know. Um, this, the, I, 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 again, I, I just hope the people of India are listening and uh, just, just um, wake up, just, just really wake up wake to up. see, to see what's happening. I mean, I'm not saying like the Chinese Russian camp are necessarily the best. I mean, ultimately, every country has their own interests and they have to take care of their own interests and they got to put their nation's interests first. But the idea that the West is like some kind of marshmallowy, uh, you know, cotton candy filled society. No, no, they, they are looking to use India as a check against China. 100%. And, and they are deliberately trying to create an Asian NATO. Right. And they're doing this to the quadrilateral security dialogue. And if you actually understand, uh, it is nothing but a, an attempt to preserve Anglo-American hegemony in the Pacific. I mean, what is AUKUS, really, at the heart of it? What is AUKUS? It is preserving, you know, the freedom of nav navigation for the United States, United Kingdom, Australia. Freedom, freedom of provocation. Yeah, one could say that if they, if they were to have that opinion, certainly. And I, and I find it hilarious. Not, not, that, not that what you're saying is, is untrue. Um, you know, and then, and, then, and then you see like Japan and South Korea, you know, uh, playing with the Western camp. And I, I just think, you know, I'm sorry if I'm going to insult my Japanese friends. And I'm not trying to insult them because I love Japan. I love Japanese culture. I, I just don't understand. You were nuked twice. Yep. Not once, but twice. Mm -hmm. How on earth are you like just, just taking it? How on earth are you just okay with it? Like, okay, you know, bury the hatchet, you reconciled. But come on, Japan. Why are you just letting yourself get, you know, used like this? You know? Um, you know, it also floors me about how Japan is still occupied by the United States. You know? I'm always told... No, no, no. You know, America is in Japan to protect Japan's security interests. And, you know, look how great America is. They give this nuclear umbrella to Japan. Mm -hmm. Well, Japan could develop their nukes if they wanted to. Yeah, they do it overnight. They do it tomorrow. I mean, Japan <laughs> could literally develop nukes 
if they needed to. But I understand why the Japanese won't because it it would it would um, violate that, their constitution. Yeah, well, I mean, maybe that's the price to pay to be a fully sovereign country. You know, it'd be and, funny. What's up? Sure. That all all of a sudden, uh, Japan, as the dollar is collapsing, says, "You know what? I'm going to be part of BRICS." Because remember, when the Asia Infrastructure Bank was coming together, right? The Asia Investment Infrastructure Bank was coming together, and 57 nations signed on board for that. Yeah. Um, Japan actually called China. They called Shanghai and said, "Hey, you want to be a part of that alongside with India and whatnot." Mm-hmm. And all of a sudden, last minute, Japan pulls out because they got a call from Uncle Schmuck. Uncle mm-hmm. Schmuck from D.C. called Japan and said, hey, you know, knock that off. And the, the, you know, it, it would be kind of funny, man, that all of a sudden that, you know, Japan just says, you know what? We're going to go. We're going to be part of BRICS. We're going to be part of, 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 of uh, you know, uh, RCEP, RCEP, yep. right? Yeah, and then all that would be a massive blow. We're going to be part of SCO. I mean, can you imagine? Yeah, you know it's funny. Like what's happening with Japan? Well, here's a funny article I saw before. China accuses the CIA of destroying Asian masculinity. Right, this was a thing that I that I was following years ago. With what the hell happened to Japanese men after the war? Right, Japanese men who were rough, rugged, the 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 way of the bushido, right, the way of the blade, right. They've turned into these K-pop stars, yeah. which eventually the Korean men now look like this, and they're trying to push this in China as well. And they, and this is part of the decoupling of, of of Chinese society and social media from the West itself because it, it creates this this feminine, you know, androgynous looking male where you you kind of look like uh, uh, the the kid from the 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 Institute of War. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, physiognomy once again. I mean, it has to do, you know, you know. I'm I'm convinced this estrogen in the air, water, oh, food. The uh, you know, it's 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 all the it, it it's 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 the plastics to be more more precise. Um, here it is. Look, here's this image. Japan back then. This is the men of Japan back then to Japan today, right? Here's this perfect thing. Look at this. Yeah, I mean, there's something there's something to be said about all the plastics and estrogen. I mean, one hundred percent. And you know, it's it's a problem. Yeah. You know, um, it's um, it's the rise of the metrosexual culture. It's the uh, corrupting influence that that unfortunately exists. Um, you know. Uh, I would say it's the rise of uh, homosexual culture. Yep. It's it's. I I also believe it's 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 it's, it's you know we we have a lot of femininity in society, mm-hmm. and um, that has certainly left an influence on men. Um, what can I say? I mean, it, it, we need the patriarchy. We need yeah. the patriarchy back. And it's not something that's misogynistic and repressive. Actually, the patriarchy is about taking care of women and not having them to work in a stupid office job when they should, you know, when they could instead be, you know, making, I don't know, uh, more than replacement population babies. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I mean, we hear from Bill Gates all the time. We hear from the United Nations. The best way to, uh, you know, deal with overpopulation is women's empowerment. They literally say it straight up like this. Yeah, one hundred percent. 
you know, it'd be nice if the Japanese weren't so indebted. Uh, look at their GDP. I look at their debt to GDP. If I'm not mistaken, it's like 200% uh, oh my God, public debt yeah. to, to their economy. And, and they talk frequently about how they need uh, more workers, more young people to take care of their um, economy. They're not able to um, pay for the retirement of their elderly population. Yeah, and, and I don't know if immigration and the dilution of Japanese culture, which is very unique and rare in the world, is the way to go. Maybe, maybe they need to uh, perhaps bring back the patriarchy and get rid of some of this K-pop nonsense. Um, now, one could call me a neo-fascist, and I would take that as a compliment. And I would say, okay, well, if that's what it takes to stop your declining birth rate, and if that's what it takes to preserve Japan's homogenous culture, homogenous yeah. people, uh, so be it. Uh, I mean, it's you have uh, it, you know the largest Japanese population outside of Japan is in Brazil. Maybe they need to import some Brazilians or something. I have no idea. They man. do that. They do <laughs> that. But they, you know, they it's it's not enough. It, yeah. It's it's not enough. Um, and I don't know if Japan should continue hitching its ride with this woke no, it's, West. It's it, it's it's killing them. It's it's killed their culture. It's, it's killed worse. their economy. It's it's it. What what advantage does Japan have? I mean, they, they literally make some of the best cars on God's green earth. They have the capacity to make cars that run forever. And they're told by the West, knock it off. Don't make a car that runs forever because we want things to be a constant consumable. You know, it, it's, 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 it's terrible. I mean, I, I collect luxury watches. One of my favorite brands yes. is a Grand Seiko. And I always tell my friends, if you want to impress your friends, get a, Grand Se uh, get, get a Rolex. But if you want to impress yourself, get a Grand Seiko because the workmanship and the fit and finish blows away anything what the Swiss is doing. It's incredible, you know. So it's a shame they have all these amazing artists and great. I mean, it culturally, it's a it, it's a country that can not only compete with the West but beat the West at every level. And they're so suppressed. It's it's incredible, man. Yeah, yeah. It also makes me think, you know, uh, of Shinzo Abe and and how he wanted to finally get a, a peace treaty with, with Russia Russia yep. and then I think to myself man it's too bad he's not with us on this yeah. planet you know yep. it's you know President Trump even wanted to facilitate some some kind of peace between Russia and Japan um, again also a damn shame that uh, we we don't have people in Washington like that anymore also you know, the thing about Japan that just throws me off is how they participated in this whole Ukrainian conflict, just mm. going along with the sanctions, going along with uh, the interference of, of Russia's internal affairs. They're so servile, man. It's disgusting. It's so bizarre. Like, it's not even to the Japanese interests to participate in a conflict that has nothing to do with them. Yeah. I mean, how much trade... And look, I don't, I don't want to sound like a total realist and just ignore the plight of Ukrainians, but, like, just really how much trade volume does Japan have with Ukraine? Versus, Zero, like nothing. Yeah, versus, like... What, China, Russia. Yeah. Yeah, yeah and, and also there's the fact that there, there are islands that Japan could be uh, reclaiming or at least sharing more of with with Russia, and I just think like you threw that all the all all the way just for what? 
uh, having AUKUS, no, having having your quadrilateral security dialogue getting more advanced. You threw that all away for what? So you can get uh, more advanced uh, Tomahawk missiles from the United States. So that the United which, States, which is a third-rate missile to begin with, the absolute piece of shit. Is it? But, yeah, it's a garbage piece of shit made in the sense. Dude, you realize this? Look, one of my clients. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you this, right? One of my clients was, he was one of the guys in the in in the, the American nuclear forces, and then later on he went ahead to be a very prominent figure within the Nuclear Regulatory Commission. And one of the things he told me from the nuclear plants in the United States and the falling apart of all the infrastructure here uh, to the weapon systems, he said he'll be surprised if even 20% of our nukes are even functional. Okay. And you got to understand, our Trident 1 and 2 and our Minutemen missiles that we utilize as our nuclear deterrent, mm-hmm. dude, these missiles are made in the 70s. Yes, that's true. 1973. That's true. That it is, is true. a piece of shit. Okay. It is a piece of shit. Yeah. It, it is garbage. I mean, it, 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 that's what I'm saying. This is the delusion. Like we're living, these guys, you know, we're being run by LARPers, right? Live action role play. Like, you know, these grown men who wear costumes, they go in the woods and they pretend that Dungeons and Dragons is real. And they're, I'm a, a, a level 15 uh, night elf warlock wizard of the realm of Shangri-La, you know? And they literally act out these battles and engagements. That's what American politicians are. They're LARPers. They LARP all day. But it's going to cost us because we're going to be glowing all night because of them. Yep. Yeah. Really. I honestly, you know, I, I just, just, I mean, like, I can appreciate, like, also people on the other side of Japan saying, look, we're getting this new, I mean, oh, yeah, you know, the Americans, uh, you know, they're, but they're also providing us all kind of uh, intelligence, they're providing us all kinds of advanced training, equipment. Because that worked out so well in the Americans with all the wars they've lost, right? I, I, yeah, I mean, <laughs> I, I just think Japan could go it alone. I mean, I'm not saying Japan needs to, to like, you know, be a China shill, which would make, which wouldn't make that much sense. But, you know, Japan doesn't need the United States, you know, yeah. they don't really need them. It looks to me that the United States needs Japan more so that they can, uh, you know, preserve their hegemonic influence in the Asia Pacific, Indo Pacific. And you, you, you know, the, the world needs more intelligence like this. It's, uh, this is the kind of American intelligence that the world needs. I think, I think it would be a wonderful thing if there were more independent minded countries. And I would say less camps and just more individual sovereign powers, a real multipolar world order. Yes. Um, you know, the other day I got into this freaking debate with, um, he looked like this guy. He, I, trying to, I, I don't want to name this person. Uh, he just looked like another, another, he had a very beta physiognomy, mm-hmm. just looked like one of those bug men. Yeah. And, 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 you know, Again, I'm not I'm not chilling for any one side or the other because I've become so cynical. I have to be frank with you. I've gotten so cynical over the years. Like I don't blame you. You know, I, the club. I used to be a neocon. I used to be a bushy. You know, my name is literally on a plaque at the Bush Presidential Center, uh, George W. Bush Presidential Center. You know, I was like, oh, war and terror. We're the good guys. And then, <laughs> I, and, I was there too, man. I think oh, we all, wow, went down. Yeah. We all yeah. had that moment, right? 
<laughs> yeah, and I want to tell the audience also that I'm very sorry that I was pro-Israel uh, once upon a time. I used to be working and volunteering with all these people. Um, I've just become, now I've just become a total cynic. Um, but but I, you know, I, I, I have to say like, like so this this one fellow, he's, he's, he's telling, he's, he's going around saying, well, how come, um, you know, Republican politicians are all about stopping aggression in in you know in, in, in uh, between China and Taiwan, uh, you know. But how come they're not talking about Russia and Ukraine? And he's this guy. He's got check mark. He's got all these credentials, all these nice things. And I have to remind people. Well, first of all, you know the Ukraine Russia thing is not the same as the China Taiwan thing. Not not to right. not, not, not even to, remotely. Not to shill for U.S., but you have to see America's point of view. The United States is a Pacific power. They occupied uh, Japan. Japan's security interests are intertwined with America's. Japan, the Republic of China, and the People's Republic of China uh, dispute the Senkaku Islands. And so an invasion of the ROC uh, by the PRC would involve a Japanese response. And this would drag the United States in. So the thing is, if China invaded Taiwan... Um, you know, it would drag Japan into that war because there's islands that Japan shares with Taiwan yeah. that Taiwan hasn't fully claimed and Japan has more or less control over. So, you know, when you get China coming into Taiwan, they're going to claim all the parts of Taiwan, including the islands that that Taiwan also claims. Yeah, Senkaku and, and Daiyu Island. Yeah, uh, yeah, it would involve Japan and it would basically be Japan versus China. And that would mean America versus China, which would mean practically a world war. And, and then the Rand Corporation analysis would 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 come true, which yeah. is how the it's not if America loses the war, it's how quickly America loses the war. And when Australian observers saw that war game being played out, oh, yeah. simulated, their verbatim, and I quote, said this: when they saw the Americans get beat. They said verbatim, it is like watching baby seals get beat. It's like beating baby seals. Yeah, I mean But don't worry. We 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 you know we're uh you know we're spreading freedom and democracy and we've <sighs> never lost a war and we're the largest, most powerful military in the world. We even have alien technology. Did you know that? And and then on top of that, we uh uh we we, we are the masters of the universe and we have a, a colony on Mars that nobody knows of. <laughs> I mean, this is the kind of junk that these people have running around in them it's not based on reality it's crazy like like for instance you know the CICS office that runs the the the, the logistics and procurement for the Pentagon for the Department of Defense has set, has stated that it would take the United States anywhere between 10 and 13 years in order to repot, resupply the amount of ammunition that it has spent in Ukraine yeah we're running low on everything so meanwhile the strange. Russians who are supposed to be running low on stuff Yep. They are just, dude, the Russians shot 270, uh, and look, during the first Gulf War, okay, yep. the first Gulf War against Saddam, the United States dumped 276, uh, uh, yeah, 290, I'm sorry, 293 Tomahawk cruise missiles into, into the entire one-year duration of that war, okay, 293. The Russians did 177 hypersonic calibers in one week. One week. Yeah. 
and why? Because you have a fictitious paper bullshit empire wannabe LARP. Okay, you have a speculative economic power versus a production, an actual manufacturing power, and that's what happens. Russia produces more tanks per year than the entire NATO combined, plus the U.S. Yeah, that's the one thing people don't understand about Russia. Russia is not a simple country. Russia, no. the military board games are designed to take on 30 NATO nations at all the same at once. time. <laughs> people don't understand what the Russian threat is, if it even is a threat. Well, even uh, not, no, I mean, it is a threat if you're, if you're a Western imperialist. But what I mean is, like, it doesn't have to be an adversary. I mean, exactly. I mean, Russia's policies, you know, I, F, F around and find out. I, I would still like to know why on earth Russia did not join NATO. Like, you know, Putin, you know, he asked Clinton, you know, look, uh, why why can't we just join? You know, uh, Boris Yeltsin asked the same question, you know, to to H.W. Bush. How come we can't join NATO? Because we, 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 uh, we need to uh, because Russia was worth more to them divided and sold out piecemeal than yeah. to be part of NATO. Yeah, it just, blow, it, it just blows my mind at the end of the Cold War. This all could have been avoided. I I just want, truly wonder what happened if, if, if Russia was part of the West. It would have yeah. been very interesting. And, and now, now, now you see the consequence of this alienation of Russia. You know, if you, you see this uh, no-sky limit policy between Russia and China. You see the Russians going decisively, decisively more than ever before into the Chinese camp. And, you know, there are all kinds of, of raw resources that Russia has, a plentiful amount, insane amounts. And you see, you see this over-dependence uh, by China on Russian material, Russian raw resources. Right. Well, not over-dependence, but, but pretty high dependence. And I'm just thinking, just imagine if the West had focused more on other things besides this Ukraine issue. Uh, can you imagine what would have happened? The West would have gotten more access to this sort of stuff. They would have also pulled them, pulled the Russians away from the Chinese. They could have. They, they could, could have done a lot. Different. Hell, this Ukraine war would not have even happened. We would have had a Minsk Accord. Ukraine would have maintained its territorial integrity and sovereignty. You know, Russians could have persuaded the Donbass region to stay with Ukraine, uh, Crimea to stay with uh, Ukraine, or at least uh, maybe return to some autonomous status with Ukraine. Uh, Ukraine could have had it all. Uh, West could have uh, had access to Russia, unprecedented levels of access to Russia. It would they have been beautiful. Tamed the Chinese dragon. Um, you know, I, I, I just, I just, I just don't quite understand it, and, and I just, you know, I, it's it, one of the great foreign policy failures of all time. Like everyone knows that the the drag, not not to not to shit on China either, but you know, everyone knows that the, the Chinese are clearly trying to become an alternative to the United States. It's it's very clear the Chinese have interests in South Asia, Eurasia, the Pacific. Like mm -hmm. in, you know, they're they're very influential in Africa. It's very clear that the Chinese have global ambitions, and I can't blame them. They're very freaking smart people, very industrious people. That a lot of them are geniuses, and I, 
I give a lot of credit to the Chinese. Yeah, uh, but they don't have our strength, man, which is 3,000 genders. They don't <laughs> have that. <laughs> oh, know? my God. Let's have, listen, uh, we're we're about at the uh, end of the show, man. I apologize. I mean, time flies when you're having fun. That's true. Brother, I want to have you back on again. So anytime you want to come back on, sure. let me know, dude. This was a, a lot of fun. Folks, you, uh, so why don't you tell the people where they can find your work? Sure. Yeah, yeah, so you can go on my Telegram. Uh, so if you go to Telegram, uh, you can find me on War and News. So that mm -hmm. is that link is t.me slash war, W-A-R-A-N-D, news, N-E-W-S. Um, I'm also on YouTube, youtube.com slash war and news. Uh, you can also find my substack war and news. Um, and if they uh, go on Twitter, they can find my name, uh, twitter.com slash utsav senduja. It's, it's how it's spelt. Yep. And um, yeah, definitely, like, I am very much wanting to really get get uh, get some awareness about what's going on uh, in regard to geopolitics and and sort of the nuances um i feel like there's a lot of ignorance yeah about uh, indo-pacific region specifically about india and i feel like it's, it's it's very it's a very strange thing how this middle power is totally ignored in all these grand conversations sure it's weird, isn't it? World affairs. Just very strange to me. It really is, man. Utsa Sanduja, the man, the myth, the legend, folks. Again, you can find him over at warrennews.substack.com. Uh, check him out on Twitter at Utsa Sanduja, as well as the YouTube channel. You, you know, just type in war and news, all one word, and it will pop up. And of course, the Telegram links, all of which are in the description box. So make sure you guys go check it out. With that being said, we are over and out. Enjoy your weekend. It was a triple show today, so hope you guys enjoyed it. This is the Gorilla, and we are out. Thank you.